Hey folks, Dan here. Just wanted to let you know that in this episode, we had a little bit of problems with our audio. So you may notice that the quality isn't up to our usual excellence. Bear with us though. The content is great. You're going to want to hear it. Thanks for bearing with us on this single episode. It's rare that I do a wedding and have scripture read that the bride or groom or both decide not to choose 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Does that happen in Of course. Yeah. It's the perfect scripture to read at a wedding. Which, ironically, nothing about the passage is written for just married people, but it has great applications. Absolutely. I mean, it's love is patient, love is kind. It's it's that. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Just in the mood for a good smooch. So sweet, love bears all things, hopes all things. Oh, yes, Yes. that's what this couple's going to do. Well, that's the passage we're going to look at today (laughs) on Life Block. Life Life Blocks. Life Walks, Life Talks. Life Talks. My name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in Suburban. Charlotte, North Carolina. So, so Ben, this is this is a great passage. We it's a very familiar passage. You know, it's one of those passages that you don't have to be a Christian to at least be aware of this passage. Um, you know, we're going to kind of just just go through it over this yeah. in the next episode. But uh, verse four says, "Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude." Yes, beautiful. It's beautiful, and it's a. To me, this is the, you know, we're doing a legacy uh, planning series. We've been talking a lot about kids. We've been talking about a lot of next generation issues. But whenever you talk about family, if you do not talk about marriage, uh, you're, you're missing out on a massive portion of what makes a good family. Because a lot of the, hey, let's impact the next generation is built upon a foundation of of moms and dads, husbands and wives loving each other well. And I don't have the statistics statistics in front of me, but we all know that um, a lot of marriages end in divorce. You know, I've seen different numbers, one out of every four, or or, I'm sorry, one out of every three, one out of every two. And in divorce, it's somewhere between those percentages. Um, But the reality is marriage does not hold the weight and the, the commitment as it once did. You and I both know mm-hmm. that. And so what we've got to do as Christians is make sure that we are, in our marriages, are strong that so that we can lead our families. Because if mom and dad don't love each other, and mom and dad have a broken relationship, the chances of them pouring into their own child are going to be slim. And we also know this, that divorce does does a lot of, has a, has a huge negative impact on children. Yes. And we're not here to make anyone feel guilty. We realize that sometimes um, people get a divorce, you know, someone, someone's spouse walked out on them. We're not, we're not saying that God is not greater and cannot redeem these but nobody I know who's divorced says, oh man, that was great. Or I'm so glad. I, I recommend that. it for everybody. Right. right. Um, some of the things that we're talking about today uh, in, in this entire series, we want you to know that there's always caveats. If you're in an abusive relationship, if there's chronic uh, perpetual infidelity, th- these are those are much yeah. different issues and deeper issues that that we're not going to get into. We're we're talking about husbands and wives, moms and dads um, that that love God, love Jesus, but man, marriage can be tough sometimes. Yeah. And how do we walk through uh, these these problems, these issues, without falling apart and and really falling into it's I kind of call it trench warfare. Mm-hmm. 
Some marriages get to the point where they fight about things enough where it's like, he's dug his trench, she's dug his trench, and they're just lobbing, they're just lobbing right. bombs at each other. Right. And they're not, no one's really changing. No one's really moving closer. It's just everyone's entrenched in the issues of the struggle. And so what do you do with that? Yeah. And that's what, why we want to have this conversation. Yeah, I, it's such an important one to have. And by the way, I think it's important to have before you get married as well. These mm. are the kind of conversations that need to be part of our home life. Yes. That our kids see us model these things and understand it. Um, you, you know, there's that stage of infatuation um, in, you know, in the love journey before you get married. Where in love. You, you, always, you always see things. Um, you know, they call it rose-colored glasses, but you always <laughs> you always see things. I was I was coaching somebody just this week, um, and they were in a relationship where um, one of them, you know, the the person they were dating was just verbally abusive, mm. I mean, unkind, and so forth. One of the things I, I I said to this person was this: your your future spouse will never treat you better once you get married than they mm. did when you were dating. Mm. And, you know, th th the reality is, as you grow comfortable, as the stresses comes, come, as kids get involved, yes. as life becomes more complicated, you must have a conscious decision and a principled way of communicating that prevents you from slipping to the negatives that we see listed 100%. here. Um, and if you practice this before you're married, it's not going to get better better just because 100%. you hand her a gold ring or him yeah. a gold ring. Yeah. And, and, and so all of us need to be aware of this in our communication with others, but in particular within our family. Yeah. The other thing I just noticed is families are notorious for the fact that we will often treat strangers or people outside mm. of our family better than we treat those in our family. Yes. We'll be kinder. We'll be more patient. We'll be less rude. All these things. I, I really think that you, you hit on something. How many times are we are we kinder, more patient, and less rude with people who are not our spouse? Yeah. My wife called me on that early in our marriage one time, and I, I was, uh, you know, I had achieved success a little prematurely, quite frankly, and I had a bunch of people that answered to me, and I went home and I was being obnoxious. I was being... No, you were, you were being stuff. obnoxious? How could I possibly be obnoxious? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get started. <laughs> I'm teasing, she looked, she looked me dead in the eye and she goes, quit talking to me that way because you and I both know you would never talk to your staff that way. Mm. Oh, well, that was game, set, match right there. She was right. She was absolutely right. Check me in my tracks. <laughs> and, and of course, then at this point, you have a choice whether you're going yeah. to be defensive and double down and be more arrogant, or you're going to say, you're right, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and those are those moments. Those, those are First Corinthians 13 moments. Yeah, I, I love what you said there about the negative and positive, because um, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm going back to school, and some of the things I'm learning from, from the research and reading and the studying that I'm doing, this one book I'm reading talked about this whole idea of marriages that make it compared to marriages that don't. Mm. And one of the things that is true about Couples that end up staying married are couples that tend to see the positive alongside the negative. So the whole idea is it's not necessarily that you're oblivious to the wrong, but the couple that it's there's a tendency for criticism and contempt to enter into the marriage when you you know you get someone you marry someone and it's like there you see the, the uh, you know you see the spots you see the Okay, now there's you're living with the reality of I'm living with a sinner right now. Mm -hmm. And 
there was an actual study done where they watched a watched couples. This this researchers watched couples interact with each other, and the in spouses that had a more negative bent toward their spouse or saw their spouse primarily through a negative critical lens, were able. So at the end of the at the end of the three hour observing session, um, the researchers were able to pick out. Let's just say they were able to pick out one hundred positive interactions between the couple. And the, the spouse who had a negative predisposition towards that other their spouse was only able to spot out spot fifty percent of them. Mm. So the whole point is, if you're just like the rose colored glasses when you're dating, the exact opposite mm-hmm. can happen when you're married, and all of a sudden all you see is the criticism. Mm-hmm. And marriages that end up making it need to have a five to one ratio positive to negative interactions with each other. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? Five to one. What that means is you lead with patience and kindness. Mm -hmm. The whole idea of being patient is love is patient. Love is kind. And the idea is this is the way God treats us. This is the way that God shows his love towards us. God's love is manifested because he looks at us and says, you know what? You've got a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. You know, he's patient with us. He's able to look at us and say, I see what you, what you can be. And it means that you're able to put up with someone's issues. This is what patience is. You're able to put up with someone's issues and sins in the process of their own sanctification, Mm. right? You are able to say, listen, I know it's going to take some time for you to be the type of person God wants you to be, but I'm going to be as patient with you as God's patient with me. And I know that sometimes some sins in my life have taken, you know, 20 years to, to get a handle on. And I and I'm I'm in this for the long run, and I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be encouraging you. I'm going to be supporting you. I'm going to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to just I'm not going to give up. And I think that's the idea of patience and how we treat that person with kindness. I just think that the whole idea of what, what couples should do right now is ask themselves, what's my ratio of positive to negative interactions with my spouse? Yeah. Do I lead with criticism? Do I lead with, um, art, you know, argument? Do I lead with things that, the, do I lead with the negative or do I lead with the positive? Uh, that's, if you don't hear anything else out of this entire podcast, that would maybe one you can take home and, and use because it gives you a practical solution mm. to a lot of the tension that exists. You know, for me, patience is a willingness on my part to give the other person the benefit of the doubt that I would like to have. Many times, you know, we just jump to the worst, yeah. most negative, most cynical conclusion. Mm. And particularly if you're wired the way I am, because I tend to be critical. I know that. Mm. You know, people know that about me. Mm. Um, and, and in order to counter that, I'll, I'll just terrorize. Mm. Uh, you know, why isn't this done? Why isn't this ready? Why is this out? Why is this not closed? Why? And, and all of a sudden, you, you turn into a monster. Mm. But, but then again, whenever I don't get my work done, or whenever I'm not feeling well, or whatever, I'm like... Well, I need sympathy. I need I need your understanding. I need you to care. I need you to be patient. So we, we expect that for ourselves, but often we're not willing. To, or again, we'll do it. You know, if somebody cuts us off in traffic. We may, we maybe say, oh well, um, you know, they probably didn't see me. Uh, yes. But your your wife forgets to pick up the dry cleaning. Is like, you know, well, you, you don't even care about you know and, and, and things that are important to me. Right. And I think that's the one thing. If you look at these words, when you think about boasting and arrogant versus patience. What I love about those two words is they're the exact opposite, right? The person who's patient is going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to be long suffering and wait for you to continue on your process. But on the flip side of that, 
Someone who's arrogant and, and boastful is going to, when someone says, hey, you've got a problem, right? Or you've got this issue. That they're like, no, I don't. You're the one with the issue. Mm-hmm. And so there's this there's this idea of, on both sides. If there's a problem within the marriage, and there will always be problems. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest myths that you, you've got to overcome in thinking about marriage is that you will not have issues. In fact, I think I mentioned this in my sermon a couple weeks ago, but... Uh, this book that I'm reading talked about there are most most problems in marriage. You got to put them in two buckets. One are solvable and one are perpetual. Mm-hmm. And there are about 70% of all problems within marriage are perpetual, which means that you're going to fight. I mean, I guarantee you there's things that you and Julie fight about that you've been fighting over for 30 years. 38. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to encounter engagement, it's 39. <laughs> I mean... Liz and I had a moment in our in last week about something that I've done for 25 years of marriage, okay? And she was really frustrated because she's asked me do- hundreds of times to work on this thing. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Because, oh, I want to know. I mean, but here's, if I told you what it is, here's the thing. Some people would hear this and be like, that's not a big deal, right? Yeah. Or some people would like, oh, yeah, that's a big it, it doesn't matter what the it is. The issue is there are times that we have issues that we need to work on. And I've, I've done better at <laughs> this than other times. But the, the reality is, if I really cared about my wife, if I loved her, and she said, this is important to me, then I wouldn't have the arrogance or the pride to think, this isn't a big deal, or I'm not going to worry. Like, there are bigger things in life to worry about. I, I think this is the... This is the the back and forth of marriage. And that's where that verse four continues after it says, don't be rude. It says, and don't insist on having things your way all the time. Mm. I mean, and that's where, you know, all of us want our way. Yeah. Because like, you know, we're selfish. Yeah. So, so I think, I think one of the things that if you look at these six words, look at how they play against each other and ask yourself, how is God patient and kind with me? I think that is the key. Mm-hmm. And then think about, your own heart and your posture towards your spouse and say, Hey, is this something that I'm, am I, am I contempt? Am I having contempt against my spouse in these areas? And I think one of the things that I can't remember if my wife read this or, but, but she had, this has been a saying that she has said to our children has taught this saying to our children. But um, she said, kindness is always free. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Kindness is always free. Uh, which means that you can always give it. Mm-hmm. It's you never, there's never a situation in life, even when your spouse hurts you or hurts your feelings or does something that aggravates you and makes you mad. You always have an opportunity to let kindness lead with kindness and not lead with anger and not lead with spitefulness or criticism. And I think you can, you can address issues in your marriage. You can address problems in your marriage with kindness and not with a sense of, of contempt and what's wrong with you and, and why are you like this and, and all going negative. And, and so I just think that these are, these are guardrails for us to really move along and say, okay, what I know I can do is I know I've got to make sure that I control, I can control what I can control. Because that's a problem. A lot of people, they get so frustrated because I can't change you. And they spend their entire energy trying to change the person that they literally fell in love with and decide they want to spend <laughs> the rest of their life with. Yeah, it, that, that, that is always, 
a danger sign when people think that they that their role in the marriage is to change them into the person they wish they'd marry rather than the person they actually marry. Exactly. And I think listen, there there are issues when when you look at a family family problems or marriage problems, there really are there's an issue of the family system, mm-hmm. how they interact. There's a there's an operating system that the family operates in. And, you know, it's, it's, I use, I think I've used this illustration before, but it's the idea of, uh, of Apple, right? Mac, the, the iOS for mm-hmm. MacBooks and the iOS for, for Windows. And, and they're very, they're different. I mean, they're, you can kind of figure them out. They're, they're not that different, but there's two different operating systems. And I like to say this, every time a husband and wife get married, you're putting a Mac with, with a PC. Yeah. And there's going to be some operating system clashes that, that, you'll have to deal with. Some of those are simply because you're a man and a woman. Some of them, I mean, some of them are... Some are personality, some are gender. How you got raised. Some are faith maturity, Mm -hmm. right? Someone, you know, I'm sure someone's listening to this and their spouse that they're married to, they're so frustrated because they feel like they're growing in their faith. They're walking with God and their spouse isn't. And when those gears get to grinding, Warren Roosby used to say this, love is the lubrication for the for, for the entire system. Mm. And even when those gears are grinding, whenever mm-hmm. you're like, I want to do it this way, and she's like, Well, we've always done it this way before. Yeah. That if you love each other, the lubrication keeps things from overheating and locking up. Exactly. The you know, one of the things that Jesus consistently did that I think helps in marriages is he asked far more questions than he made accusations. Mm. The, the, he would sometimes clarify things by making statements after he asked several questions, like, uh, you know, the woman at the well. You yeah. know, he asked a series of questions, and, uh, you know, who told you this? And, and, and she's saying, well, you know, are, are you married? And, 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 and he said, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's clarify for just a moment. You have been married five times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the way, the guy that you're with isn't your husband. That's right. So now we've got the facts out on the table. Here's a solution. Yeah. And and often what we do is we jump straight to the accusations without gathering the information. Mm. And sometimes we already know the answer to the information, but we need to hear it out loud from the other person. That's right. And it's far better to ask questions. How can we fix this? Are you aware that this causes me to feel this way? Mm. Did you know that when you said this, I that it hurt my feelings? Yeah. Um, and most of the time it'll soften the issue. It'll lubricate it. Yeah, because questions are usually asking love and curiosity, yes. not hopefully. One hundred percent, and I think that's the thing. That's the posture of love. The posture of love is this idea of, listen, I'm not going to assume the worst about my spouse. Yeah. I'm going to assume the best. And when you have, the, the, when you have, there's two different pro- kind of problems in marriage. You have the systemic problems, right, and then you have the behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. And don't don't conflate the two. Sometimes there, there are behavioral issues that someone has and you're like, okay, they've got to change this because it drives me crazy. The systemic problems are how the whole system is working together. And so one of the things you've got to remember is you can control, the, really the only thing you can control is your attitude and your actions in, within marriage. And you might say, hey, my spouse is, I feel like my spouse isn't keeping up their end of their commitment, right? I feel like they tricked me mm-hmm. in a way. I feel like, you know, I married someone who they showed me some one side and now I'm, I've married someone who's different. And there, there's the, the, the myriad of problems that marriages can have are, are you know, there's, they're an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. 
But the one thing you've got to remember is what I can control is I can control how patient I am. I can control how kind I am. I can control my own pride. I can control my my rudeness. I can control the things that, the behaviors that will either pour gasoline on the fire or put out the fire. And if, if you're going to, you know, walking away from this conversation, I would just encourage you to think about what you can control and stop thinking about what your spouse is, is doing. And I think when you, when you're able to, to, to kind of put, think about the positive, not just the negative and really focus on what can I control today within this problem, it will set you free to start enjoying your spouse the way God wants you to. Be absolutely committed to finding a solution and not keeping score. Absolutely. Have oh, that's good. Love Have that. to do it. Well, it's been a great start of our conversation. We're going to jump back in in our next episode of Life Talks and look at some more principles on how to have the right kind of spirit and relationship in your marriage from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As always, we thank you for listening. We hope that you'll share us on your social media pages and through email any other way you can. And as always, if you have a question or a topic you'd like to see us address on this, please write us if you would at lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. And until next time, we'll catch you then.